Hop in the Supermobile and join us for the spinoff podcast Beyond Metropolis, available exclusively for members of my Patreon community. It's a monthly tour across the DC universe with the signature Digging for Kryptonite style applied to your other DC favorites. Additional Patreon rewards include advanced listens, sponsorships, and more. We offer regular monthly memberships, discounted annual plans, free trials, and a la carte purchases. Visit patreon.com slash anthonydesiato or click the link in the show notes for more. Thank you all. I'm a proud backer of the Paragons of Earth crowdfunder. The creative team of Percival Constantine, Thomas DJ, and Eric Johns have plucked forgotten Golden Age superheroes from the public domain, reinvented them as their own sort of Justice League, and put them up against a Lovecraftian apocalypse. Support this project by going to crowdfunder.com, that's crowdfunder without an E, slash Paragons comic, and read a free sample. Also, Parry, who's been a guest on the show, hosts the Superhero Cinephiles podcast about superheroes in media. Be sure to listen wherever you get podcasts. 30 years ago, I stood in front of a comic shop advertising the death of Superman in its window display. That moment outside Heroes World set me on a path, a lifelong fan journey leading directly from that tattered red cape to this podcast. Now, together, we mine Superman's vast 85-year mythology by examining, discovering, and reconsidering the stories that have shaped the last son of Krypton. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. This week, we're joined by a very special guest. It's the editor-in-chief of supermanhomepage.com, a.k.a. the number one Superman fan site in the world, Steve Eunice. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, and I want to thank you a couple of times over here. First, I want to thank you for reaching out. You connected after our recent My Adventures with Superman episode, and you offered to to podcast together, and I'm just so glad that we were able to connect and make this happen. So thank you, first of all, for reaching out. No, no, my pleasure. It's, uh, it's you know, it's a community of fans out there, and we tend to, uh, I don't know, there seems to be like this idea that we're all competitors, when really we're all here to celebrate the Man of Steel and to, um, you know, be fans together and, and enjoy the character together. So I, I've been reaching out to a couple of different podcasts and a couple of different fan sites to say, hey, let's collaborate on things and, and boost both our audiences. That's fantastic. I've said this, I think, every time I've had a fellow Superman podcaster on the show, so I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it is so true. And I've I've experienced the same thing where there are instances where you might expect people to be competitors, right? We're in the same space. We're doing similar sorts of things, but really Mm -hmm. I think the shared love of our favorite character kind of transcends everything. And I like to think that some of the ideals of the character we love, right, are, are, are things that we identify with personally. Right. And so the idea of cooperation and friendliness, those are things that we, we are hopefully living uh, since they're parts of the character we love. 100%. 100%. I mean, that's why we are Superman fans is because we are inspired by him. We hope to emulate him in many ways and, you know, wish that we were more like him. And so it – and the Superman fandom gets a bad rap because we have over the years really been fractured when it comes to who is our favourite Superman, whether we like a certain movie, whether we think the costume should look this, that way or the other way. And so there is that – element of fans going at each other and having that difference of opinion and seeing that as a negative when really with 85 years of 
of a character's history, there's bound to be different things that we like and don't like. But that doesn't mean that that should set us apart. That should be, you know, fruitful ground for great conversation. I could not agree more. And I want to circle back to that, but I want to make my, my second round of thanks to you. And I'm not just saying this to blow smoke, but I want to say on the record, on behalf of, of myself and, and all the Superman fans out there, thank you for what you have cultivated through Superman homepage, because I can't imagine there's any Superman fan out there who either hasn't gone to your site at some point or watched one of the YouTube lives or seen a social media post or had some connection with the world of Superman homepage. So you've been this ambassador for and curator of Superman. And so again, on behalf of all of us, really, thank you very much because I've been going to your site for as long as I can remember. So I, I just wanted to say that. Oh, thank you very much. That means a lot. Uh, yeah, sometimes sitting on the other side of this computer screen can get a bit lonely and you're not sure whether or not you're actually reaching people or if you're having an impact or if anyone appreciates what you're doing. And uh, it's always nice to get that pat on the back. Not that we seek it, but it's, uh, it's nice to know. I mean, we do it because we love it. And, um, you know, I wouldn't do it for this long. Have, have, you know, since 1996, I've been uh, running the website. Uh, so there's, it's, it's nice to get that recognition every now and again. No, absolutely. So speaking of how long you've been doing this, I did a little bit of research. I read the about section on your website. So thank you for making it so easy. <laughs> so I got to read a bit about how you, how you got here. And I know you've written about it and I, I know you've spoken about it, but to the extent that you'd be willing to recount it for us, I'd, I'd appreciate it. I know it was initially through animation that you met Superman. Yeah, so, you know, in, the, in my early days, I don't want to give away how old I am too much, but, um, you know, Saturday morning cartoons were a thing. Back in the day, you couldn't just watch them whenever you wanted to. They weren't always readily available like they are now at the tip of your finger. But, um, yeah, so Saturday morning cartoons, watching the Super Friends, watching... The New Adventures of Superman reruns. I wasn't that. I'm not that old. Um, and, you know, just then the Christopher Reeve films in the late 70s, early 80s uh, were right in my wheelhouse of, you know, that impressionable time of becoming a, a young person, becoming a teenager. So uh, very much that was my introduction to Superman and uh, why I gravitated towards the character at an early age. But then as you grow older, you get... You know, you go into your teenage years and into young adult years and you grow away from the things that you enjoyed as a, as a young child and mature, so to speak, and start getting interested in girls and in jobs and, you know, what have you. And so you kind of move away from your childhood, you know, attractions. No, I, I, I certainly understand. I've, between this show and another show that I've done for many years called My Comic Shop History, where I've spoken to fans and retailers all over the place, I think that's a very common experience where there are ebbs and flows to our fandoms. And even for myself, I've talked about it on the show, I've always loved Superman, but I definitely had a stretch probably around the time of the New 52 forward where I just wasn't as plugged in. And one of the, mm -hmm. the joys of doing the show has been filling in those gaps in my fandom. One of the gaps in my fandom was Super Friends. I had seen a few episodes here and there as a kid, but really for me, Superman the Animated Series, that's what I was watching in the 90s as sure. I was growing up. But I at least had some familiarity with Super, Super Friends. But over the course of doing this podcast, I watched not all of the episodes, but I watched 
I'd say virtually all of the Superman centric ones. And so I definitely got a good mm-hmm. feel for the show generally and for the show's handling of Superman. And even though I don't have the personal attachment to it, so it, I, it, you know, I only got so much mileage out of it. I could so appreciate how someone growing up watching that, how it would resonate with them and, and how it would, you know, be such an indelible part of, uh, you know, of the fandom. Yeah, and looking back at it now, you think, wow, how bad was that animation? And it's so stilted, and especially when you reference it to the Fleischer Superman cartoons, which were so many years earlier, yet were so much better. Uh, you know, the, you're just impression, you're very impressionable at that young age when you're watching cartoons. And it wasn't just Super Friends. There were many other cartoons of the time that it really had an impact on, on me. And, uh, you know, growing up, there were different things, but I think, Definitely what solidified my uh, fandom was then the Christopher Reeve films, which were like, you know, a live action version of all the cartoons that I'd seen. And we're just like, wow, how brilliant is this? So, yeah, I definitely think that had a massive um, impression on me, but it was because of those early cartoons that I even knew who Superman was. Gotcha. Now, I think we're kindred spirits in a sense. My audience is well familiar with this, that the death of Superman comic book storyline was my entry point into all of this. And I understand that mm-hmm. Roger Stern's Death and Life of Superman novel was a major turning point for you. 100%. So as a young adult, I was um, a very much uh, an avid reader. I was reading Stephen King and Dean Kuntz and, you know, all these great authors. I, was, I couldn't get enough of, of reading when I discovered you know, some of these great novels that are out there that, you know, as a young person I could just get into and they seemed to be directed towards my, you know, where I was at my uh, uh, level of reading, I would be scouring the bookstores on my way to work. I'd get off the train and on my way through uh, as I was walking there would be this, this bookstore and I would always stop and have a look at it and just peruse the, the shelves to see what was new and what would catch my eye. And there was that bleeding S uh, logo on the front of the novel and I was like oh wow and I just immediately picked it up read it and then I loved it absolutely was just immersed in it and then I got to the back of the book and there was this advertisement for comic books you know get your weekly fix of Superman comic books at your local store and I went wow I wonder if there are comic book stores anywhere near where I live because I'd grown up reading Mad Magazine and you know, those, but I never read comic books before. Um, I'd had some just fall into my lap from friends or, you know, they just seemed to be laying around, but I'd never gone out and purposely bought a comic book for myself. And so as an extension of reading that novel, I went and found this local comic book store, bought a number of issues that were just on the shelf at the time, had no idea what I was doing or what titles there were available and started slowly catching up to where I was at. Went back a couple of years to try to see where the death of Superman had ended and what had happened after that to be able to catch up from what I knew of those stories. And as they say, the rest is history. Amazing. So I'm actually, I'm holding the novel here, but, and please don't end the episode right here. I do have a confession. I've never read it, but I I intend, so here's the thing. I, it was always kind of on the periphery. I knew it was out there, but as a kid, I just wasn't, I guess I wasn't seeking it out per se. I got my fix through the comics. And then as I got older, I suppose I kind of just 
lost track of it. And then a few years ago, uh, a buddy of mine from Fat Moose Comics, shout out to Sean, uh, gave me a copy of this. And so I've had it on my shelf for the past few years. And at this point now, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of saving it because it's really one of the last pieces, if not the last piece, I would say, of the death of Superman that I haven't really experienced. And so mm-hmm. I'm getting there and we'll do an episode on it and it'll be special and we'll make a whole thing out of it. But but I haven't read it, but I will. And I, I, I'm particularly excited. I mean, I love Roger Stern. I loved his run uh, on action. And I saw exactly that ad uh, that you were talking about uh, at the back of the book, Superman's never-ending battle rages on each week. Uh, and then there's a the little tear-off and you can select which titles you want. Uh, $18 for 12 issues. And uh, yeah, it's great. You have action, Superman, adventures, Superman, the Man of Steel. I mean, it's great. It's awesome. And and if that hadn't been in there, I might not have gone on the journey that I did and, and sought out a comic book store because to me, it was just like, this is a book I want to read. I've read it. And that would have been the end of it. But uh, because of that ad at the back of the, that commercial, the back of the book, uh, yeah, it all happened from there. Do you happen to remember the specific issues or storyline uh, in the comics that were at the shop on the shelf when you went in after the novel? Yeah, I remember around the time was, uh, I think it was just before the death of Clark Kent storyline, which was like, oh, how many deaths can they have? Like, what's going on here? But uh, yeah, there, were, um, there was also that early time when Superman was um, masquerading as a firefighter, I think. And um, so, yeah, I wasn't sure what was going on because it was just a lot had changed from the stories that I knew of Clark Kent and, and Superman. And and so uh, it took me a little bit to catch up, but, how, you know, how enjoyable was that, being able to dive into a whole world of characters and information that you were just like, wow, I didn't realise there was such a rich history here. That's the thing, and you said it before, 85 years across media so there's so much Mm -hmm. and i want to circle back obviously to the site itself but just in terms of your fandom one of the things that we talk about a lot here and that i think about a lot are 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 gaps right gaps in our fandom and that was one of the reasons why i started this in the first place was because i knew there were as, as much as i had followed this character my whole life there were so many so many stories in in different media that i had just never experienced and they were just kind of out there in the ether. And I said, I want to, I want to immerse myself in as much of this as possible. And it has been endlessly rewarding. So I'm curious, you know, given your tenure now as a Superman fan and running this site, I would imagine there's probably not a ton of gaps left, but, but what, what gaps might remain for, for someone in your position? Definitely there are gaps because there's only so much money that you can spend on these things. And, you know, it, I've probably spent too much as it is already, but um, it's for me. It's probably the Silver Age and Golden Age comic books because, as much as I would like to and have every issue of every comic ever published, that's pretty much impossible at this point in time. Uh, Obviously, there are digital and everything like that that you can, thank God, go back and be able to read and look at things that uh, are not necessarily readily available physically anymore. Uh, but yeah, that'd probably be the gaps in mind would be the later golden age and a fair bit of the the silver age. There is so much great wealth of material there, especially the silver age, you know, looking at all the characters that were created and all the, 
things that we now take for granted as being part of the Superman world that came from that era. Uh, but um, I don't have a lot of those comics in my collection. But uh, so if there was a gap at all, that would probably be where I would aim at, at that at. But it's funny that you mention how there is so much out there. And as soon as I became immersed in looking for Superman things, it's amazing how our eye catches that symbol no matter where we are. Like you'll, there'll be a million people in a crowd and you'll spot the person wearing a Superman shirt. Um, I'll be just, you know, perusing the, the aisles of, of a, you know, a shopping mall or whatever and I'll see the Superman action figure. It just, my eye just is drawn to that S symbol. And so it was through the, that, you know, being able to identify that, that symbol that I found the Fleischer cartoons in a, in a VHS cassette tape at, you know, back when we had VHS stores and, you know, Blockbuster and all of those kind of things. And it's like, wow, what are these? And then put those, you know, rented that VHS and put that in. It was like, how awesome are they? 1941? Wow. Like, it was just like blew my mind. And then that took me to the radio series and it's like there's so many, like over a decade of Superman radio series and I was just in, immersed in re, uh, listening to those and it, yeah that was that just blew me away how do you have an estimate how many of those did you make your way through of the radio episodes all of them you, you all did of all them. of them good man that's amazing that's yeah, i was it was really cool so for me at the time when i had you know found the superman radio series i would uh go and pick up my wife from work and that was a 15-minute drive and I would fit a 15-minute episode in the car, you know. So it was like five days a week I'd just be listening to a radio series, a radio episode for years and years and years on end and then it was just, you know, part of my day and it was just an awesome part of my day because for me, and I've said this many times, Clayton Bud Collier is my favourite Superman, bar none. I mean, Christopher Reeve obviously is up there, you know, and and. Brandon Routh and Henry Cavill, they're all great. But for me, nobody embodied Superman like Bud Collier did through both the Fleischer and the radio series. No, I hear you. And it's 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 interesting because you hear a similar sentiment among Batman fans, right? Whenever people are talking about their favorite Batman actor, and then someone will say, well, the right answer is Kevin Conroy, <laughs> right? So there's, <laughs> there, you know, there's something to be said, right, for the for these vocal performers. But that's amazing. It's funny because... The radio show is one of those things where I say to myself now, there's no way I, I, I'll, I'll ever make my way through all of them. I'll probably pick and choose. And I've done a little bit of, I've dabbled a little bit so far. But then it's funny because when I started this podcast, in my head I was like, okay, I can't cover everything, right? So I'm just going to focus on the things that I'm most interested in. But as now the years have gone on, <laughs> I guess what's happened is I've gotten more and more interested in all aspects. So there are things I've covered that I didn't, at the outset, I don't know that I necessarily thought I'll do Super Friends coverage, right? And then I, and then I did. So, mm -hmm. And there have been various things like that. So it's funny. I would talk about the radio show now, and in another year or so, I'll have a whole run of episodes where I'll be, <laughs> I'll be listening to all of them. Well, you should because for the way Superman is portrayed now with that dual identity, it's because of Bud Collier, the fact that Superman has a lighter voice, a higher voice, a higher octave. And Clark, and then Superman is that deeper baritone type of thing. That all comes from Bud Collier, you know. Christopher Reeve embodied that when he did that scene in Superman the movie where he takes off his glasses and he stands up and, you know, his posture changes. 
that, that's a physical embodiment of what Collier did as far as showing us that there was a mild-mannered reporter to the bold Superman. And uh, there is a particular episode, and I used this in a recent uh, presentation that I did at a comic convention recently, there's an episode where Clark Kent, Jimmy Olsen, another young kid called Pug are in a cave, in a dungeon, and the candle that they have to keep them, you know, to see goes out. And so Clark uses that as an opportunity because nobody can see anything to introduce Superman into the situation, and he's literally talking to himself, Clark Kent and Superman, in the two different voices that he does and Jimmy and, and Pug just think that Superman has entered into the cave and they don't realise that it's just Clark doing both voices because they can't see anything. And you've got to remember that this is in a time when we didn't have editing. There wasn't uh, – it, it, most episodes were done live. So he's doing that on the spot. It, it just blows my mind. No, that's, ah, that's absolutely tremendous. And I know certainly the radio show was such a huge inspiration for – the George Reeves Adventures of Superman series. And I mm -hmm. know I watched the the YouTube live that you just did with uh, fellow Superman podcaster, Michael Bailey, and you guys did a wonderful remembrance of Phyllis Coates who, who recently passed. Uh, so I'm curious when you encountered uh, Adventures of Superman and, and what your impressions were of that. Yeah, so my dad was a big fan of the George Reeves series. Like he would, you know, always, you know, through the Christopher Reeve films, would always say to me things like, Oh, it's you know. I remember the old Superman black and white TV series, and even though it was shot in color for the second and to sixth seasons, most people only ever saw it in black and white because our TVs at the time were only black and white back in the fifties. Uh, so, uh, not that I was there, but I'm just kind of yeah. You know, I don't want it again. Not not that old, but uh, yeah. So he would always talk to me about those, and so when they became available to watch on DVD. I would take them over to my dad's house and, and watch episodes with him and it would just take him back to when he first saw them and uh, he absolutely loved them. And, and I couldn't get enough of that entry, that intro, you know, uh, with the faster than a speeding, uh, you know, faster than a speeding ball, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. And it just was like, yeah, this, is, this resonates with me. I just love that because it was very much like the radio series, as, you know. So it just – and I'd seen episodes here and there everywhere throughout the years but – um, being able to watch them from the very beginning and see all six seasons, yeah, that was just phenomenal. And then seeing them in colour was just like, wow, what foresight, even though they knew most people wouldn't be able to see them in colour, to then go, you know, well, we're going to film them in colour and, you know, eventually they'll be seen in colour. That, that, that takes some guts. Yes, very forward thinking for sure. Well, we'll talk off, Mike, but I do a whole – Adventures of Superman rewatch podcast. And if you're game, I'd love to have you on for that. We'll be starting up season two, uh, not too long from now. Nice. <laughs> but, you know, you mentioned getting the DVDs, right, for Adventures of Superman and just kind of this larger idea about availability. Like you mentioned, the Silver Age uh, comics. I'm delighted that DC is finally putting out a Superman in the Silver Age omnibus in the relatively mm -hmm. near future. And it's one of those things where, it's kind of astounding to me that that didn't already <laughs> that didn't already exist. I'm glad that it's coming. And similarly with Adventures of Superman, access to it. I mean, I have the DVDs, but access to it is is an issue because they're um, most, if not all, of the seasons are out of print at this point, and and it's been quite a few years now since since they initially put them out. Uh, you know, they were on the DC Universe. Uh, app when it first launched and then they didn't make their way over to to hbo max so the, you know the, that whole business so 
you know, availability is a big thing. And, and I know that that period of time when Superman Returns was coming out was huge in terms of just getting, mm. getting content out there. Do you have hopes slash expectations slash predictions about what, what we might see as, as another new iteration of Superman on the big screen approaches, if that might have a similar effect? Yeah, hopefully it does because, the, as you say, when Superman Returns came out, we were getting inundated with, you know, to see the Kirk Allen serials, 1948, 1950, released. Uh, you know, the 1961 never-released Superboy pilot, you know, becoming available. And the Super Pup, for what they're worth, it was just one of those things that everyone had spoke about in the collection, in the collector's world, but no, had never seen or had a, you know, really bad print of. So, yeah, hopefully when... Uh, Superman, Superman Legacy comes out, we'll get a influx of things that, I mean, at this point in time, what is there that hasn't been released other than maybe the Superboy segments of the new Adventures of Superman cartoons? We're still kind of waiting for those. Um, you know, during that time, you know, over the last 20 years, we've obviously had the uh, legal issues with the Siegel family and Schusters and that and that, you know, whether or not that played into whether Superboy could be released or whether they decided you know, not to put them into the new Adventures of Superman releases, I don't know. But, yeah, there's not too much material at this point in time that hasn't been put out there that, you know, we would like to see. But um, there's always new mediums, you know, you know, upscaling things into 4K or whatever they might be able to do. They're always putting out different iterations of Superman the movie and the Superman and the Christopher Reeve films. It's like, how many box sets can we have of that of those things, you know, extended versions and... Um, international cuts and what have you. So uh, hopefully Superman Legacy brings a whole new generation of fans to, to Superman so that they can go, go, wow, 85 years of history, you know, what can I immerse myself into? Yeah, I would absolutely love to see that. I hope, I hope that proves to be the case. So I guess on this note of gaps, and you mentioned on the, on the comics front, and then as far as other media I mean, given that you listen to all the radio episodes, I assume you probably watched and have listened to everything as far as other other media adaptations of the character. Is there anything that, that is still out there that you haven't really delved into? Not that I can think of. And now when I say I've seen, I've listened to all the radio episodes, sadly a lot of them through the war era do not exist anymore. And maybe at one point they will find something or somehow um, you know, in an archive somewhere there's, from an Australian point of view, there was an Australian radio series that was done, I think, in the early 60s and only like maybe four or five episodes are available online and I know they exist in an archive here um, but they just won't release them and I've tried to contact them to see if we can, you know, do something and put out a CD or something of them. And So that's probably one just from a, an Australian point of view that I think would be interesting to see. But no, I've pretty much seen, you know, the serials, all the adventures of Superman, 1950s TV show, all the Christopher Reeve films, you know, the Super Friends. Uh, yeah, every, I can't think of anything that's a massive gap in the visual or audio medium that I haven't seen. You know, even down to some of the uh, audio books and uh, the recent, you know, like the BBC versions of the Death of Superman, audio dramatizations, they were awesome. And if you're... You know, if you like the radio series or if, you know, audio is something that you think you might be able to get into, check out a lot of the audio books that are available, audio dramatizations of the Justice League and Superman things that have been released because, as they say in the promotions, it's a, it's a movie in your mind. You get to visualize internally what these voices and these, uh, you know, 
sounds are portraying. No, that's a great point. I've actually had a number of listeners recommend those audio dramatizations, and they're on my list. I haven't delved in yet, but I will. And what mm. I will say, uh, as far as the my limited experience with the radio show, but I have listened to you know Clan of the Fiery Cross in particular. Yeah, and what's uh, certainly I know that's a heavy hitter. I know a lot of people. That's the one we gravitate towards. And it, it was. I mean, it was you know really fascinating to listen to. And I think what really struck me was, again, I love the George Reeves show, right? But you watch mm-hmm. it, and and it is a product of its time. When you listen to the radio serial, or I suppose any of these dramatizations, because so much of it relies on what you picture in your mind, there's a, a timelessness to it, right? right? That transcends the period in which it's made, and it, it's there's something really, really cool about that. Yeah, and obviously the radio series and even the, the audio dramatizations are a period of their time because with a character like Superman who is – you know, Clark Kent at a newspaper, newspaper offices and typewriters, computers, even phones, you know, like, you know, these days obviously we, we're, without, we're with our phone 24-7. You know, it's part of us. We, you know, we very rarely don't take it anywhere, including the bathroom. Uh, so it's, you know, and then you look at Superman's world and he's like, I've got to get to a phone booth to be able to call in this story or, you know, to, to Perry White. And it's like obviously a product of its time. So uh, it's, it's really interesting. Even the phone booth itself. We know Superman, Clark Kent changes into Superman in a phone booth. Try find one these days. <laughs> but yeah, no, absolutely. No, that's true. I mean, not, certainly there are aspects that, that date it. But I guess just in terms of the, of the production value, right? It's not like there oh, are limitations yeah. in special effects, right? Because you're just, you're, you're picturing it. But yeah, it's. It's really but even something. then, you think about, sorry, just to interrupt, you think about period pieces like movies that are set in, you know, uh, we're always looking at gangster films and we're always looking at, you know, films, the cowboy films. and what. Just because they're set in a particular time doesn't mean we can't enjoy them as a modern-day audience. You know, period pieces are enjoyable for a reason, you know, because of the limitations or because of the way people dressed or the way people spoke. It there's something to be said about being able to go back and enjoy those time periods for what they were. Yeah, it really, it really can transport you. And, and that's, that's one of the things in, in really discovering the adventures of Superman series that I've loved so much. I never really bump up against any of the, of the limitations in terms of, of technology or effects mm. or, uh, or again, just any of those those aspects that that point to that period of time, because yeah, it really just takes you back and you immerse yourself in that world. This episode made possible in part by educator, hobby comic book collector, and pop culture enthusiast Sam Lim. Sam is based in the South Jersey area and is looking to connect with other comics fans as well as retailers. They are also looking for comic shops to explore, so recommendations are welcome. Be sure to follow Sam on Instagram at SZL Comics to see their latest comic pickups and shop adventures. We reference the television series Smallville a lot around here, and there's one Smallville rewatch podcast that's always at the top of my queue. Always hold on to Smallville, hosted by our pal, Zach Moore. Zach and his guests bring tremendous insight, passion, and humor as they discuss each and every episode of the series that ushered in the renaissance of superhero TV. Listen to Always Hold On to Smallville wherever you get podcasts, and keep an eye out for the other shows under the Always Hold On To banner, including Arrow, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Superman and Lois, and Star Wars. Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, 
and Round Reel in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Take it from an alum of two of them. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. So, so again, we're talk, we've talked about this idea of gaps, but now I want to kind of pivot to the, to the other side of that, which is this idea of the, the pillars or the tent poles that kind of hold up your fandom. Like I always talk on, on this show about the death of Superman and Smallville and Man of Steel as, as kind of three key pillars for me that kind of, and there's so much more that I enjoy, but those are, there's, those were so formative for me at different times mm. in different ways. Uh, so I'm curious for you, and I know you've probably already identified a number of them already when you were recounting the, the, the origins of your fan journey, but at this point with all that you've consumed, all you've seen, read, watched, listened to, what, what, what do you kind of hold up as maybe those, I don't know, three or four, uh, you know, real pillars of your fandom? Well, definitely, as I said, the early Saturday morning cartoons were the first pillar. Then the Christopher Reeve films, very much a very strong, you know, formidable pillar in my um, growth as a Superman fan. And then, you know, the comic books, reading those um, and immersing, you know, buying, bagging and boxing comic books became such a thing for so long until I went digital um, and that was a like ripping off a Band-Aid or like it hurt at the time but I've got to do it kind of thing. And, yeah, the, the man, you know, Brandon Routh, Superman Returns, for me because it was filmed here in Australia, was very much a... Finally, something is coming to this side of the world because I always felt so isolated over here. I couldn't, you know, get to certain things, you know, comic conventions. I'd been to San Diego Comic-Con once and, you know, that made me feel, like, really isolated because, like, I want to be here every year but I can't. Um, so when Superman Returns was filmed here, that was a big deal for me. And then Man of Steel, being able to be, to be invited to the world premiere in New York and getting, getting invited to the after party and rubbing shoulders with all the stars of, you know, of the film, that was like, yes, I finally made it in some way because to get that recognition from Warner Brothers to, to invite you to do, to be part of that was just like they actually, you know, what I do matters. So it, that was a real, you know, big moment for me too. So, yeah, that was, that's the three or four that I would, you know, just off the top of my head. No, I mean, I, I can imagine what uh... – you know, what a, a galvanizing moment that would be to get that official recognition, right? I mean, it's one thing to have people visiting the site, and that's wonderful, of course, but then to also mm. get that that other side of it. And I know you wrote about this on your website, but uh, the the moment with Henry Cavill where he shared, uh, you, want, you want to tell the story? Which one? Tell me. You, you tell oh, me. Were- <laughs> it, might be interesting to, it might be interesting to hear it from your perspective. No, about him telling you that that your site was was the one that uh, that he visited. Yeah, so, yeah, at the after party, you know, we got to – it was not easy to get to Henry Cavill at that. You know, he had his entourage and a few, you know, big burly guys standing around where he was sitting to, you know, keep people away kind of thing. Not that there was a massive crowd or anybody who was there wasn't invited to be there, but, you know, still he's an important person, so I understand that. And uh, so we got to chat with him and, um, yeah – whether or not it was just a token thing that he said, but it was like very nice of him to say, yeah, I love your website. It's the only one I visit to, to check things out on, on what's going on with Superman. Uh, and that was nice. And I've met him a couple of times since then and he's always 
had that you know recognition of you know I know who you are kind of thing in in, in his eye when you when you're speaking to him. So if if I have to say one thing about any of the Superman actors that I have met, they so embody who the character is. Like from Brandon Routh, I've spent hours chatting with him um, in the different uh, points of time, and he and Brand and him and and Henry have that just that spirit of generosity about them that they are very genuine and down to earth and it's just they don't have to be like the character they're actors it's what it's a role that they play but the fact that they choose to be or that they are naturally like that just kind of warms your heart as a superman fan because i have come across some actors i mean you know in modern times you know dean kane's let down a lot of superman fans just because of his political views or or the things that he's outspoken about uh, I remember having a run-in with Gerard Christopher back in the day, um, who he, who has mellowed over the years, I should say. But um, at one point in time, he was very confrontational and, and antagonistic towards me about trying to get an interview with him, and it was like, "What's in it for me?" kind of thing. Um, but the fact that you know, Henry and Brandon were both very much down to earth and just humble people, kind of was like, it, it it was really rewarding to see that from a f- person that you looked up to even though they're probably both younger than me no that's that's great to hear and i i will say i haven't never, never met uh henry cavill but in terms of his his geek cred you know he seems genuine and i know he's a big gamer and he's into all this stuff so i, I don't know yeah maybe it was something he said but but for him to say that he that he visits the site i don't know i i'm, I'm i choose to believe it i feel like that was oh, genuine yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, I don't. I don't think he would say that if he hadn't. I, like, it d- doesn't seem that it would be something he would do. And and I guess my point is, given you know, given his interest in in gaming and everything else, I feel like uh, you know, for for him to say that, it's like, yeah, no, I like that tracks as far as, as what you might expect from him. Uh, so, yeah, so well, he builds his own computers, so he's uh, that's how geeky he is. Yes. And the Warhammer things that he, you know, little figures that he, wow. So, I mean, you know, huge Smallville fan over here. Any experiences with Tom Welling? Uh, not Tom himself, but uh, met Michael Rosenbaum and um, Alison Mack, uh, for what it's worth. Um, and so from, from Tom Welling's point of view, I was always disappointed to hear that the whole no flights, no tights thing was his doing and that he was the one who, in, you know, was adamant that that would be, held in place for as long as he played the character. And I get that. You know, there's that whole worry about being typecast. But I think after 10 seasons of playing a character, you are going to be typecast no matter whether you put the suit on or not. He's always going to be known as Clark Kent in Smallville. But I understand where he was coming from at the time. He was a young man and he was trying to look after himself. But, um, no, I've only heard good things about people who have met him and who have uh, interviewed him. And I think he has mellowed over the years in his stance towards the character because, um, hey, it's a gravy train. Why not ride it? You know, it's going to take you places. And I I feel sorry for people like George Reeves who at the time hated playing Superman and saw it as a, you know, um, a failure on his part. If only he'd lived a lot longer to see just the indelible impact that he had on so many people's lives that, um, you know, like that Noel Neal and Jack Larson got to enjoy it's it's so true. I mean, you know, having having now gotten a fair sense of the adventures of Superman fandom that's out there, I mean, there is mm. a whole contingent of fans for whom George Reeves is the Superman. And there is 
none other. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's so funny. I'll, I wonder if uh, the internet had existed back then when Christopher Reeve first was cast as Superman, how many fans there would have been going, he's not Superman, he doesn't look the part. And because they were George Reeves fans, just like we had when Henry Cavill was cast and everyone was like, no, Christopher Reeve is the only one true Superman. It's just like, yeah, it would have been interesting to see how fans would have reacted had there been uh, an internet back in 1978, 79. No, very true. And look, with Tom Welling... It's uh, it, it's one of those things that the no flights, no tights. I, you know, I, I I support his decision like all the way up until the final minutes. I feel like if there was ever <laughs> that was the time though, that was the time where there were certain things that I really like really needed to see to stick the landing. You know, pun intended. And so I feel like again, I it's it's number one in my heart. I love Smallville endlessly, but. Mm. It's they will always ha- it will always have that little asterisk next to it, uh, and the, the finale well, at least because of that. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the fact that they got to have a proper finale and didn't do what the fans had hoped they would that leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. I mean, look at Lois and Clark. It went for four seasons and it didn't get to do the ending that they wanted. It was left on a cliffhanger that people still to this day debate what would have happened or where would it have gone. But with Smallville, they've got to the finale that they'd aimed to to achieve and for many fans, yeah, not having him fully immersed in that suit. You know, we got some pretty dodgy CGI in the distance kind of thing. That felt like a bit of a a kick to the guts. Yes, (laughs) to put it mildly, but... uh... we've we've hopefully made our peace with it as as much as as much as we can (laughs) you know over the years and i think you and you and michael were talking about this recently where with with the internet and and i think just with the passage of time and certain age groups now uh you know entering adulthood uh and, and middle age i feel like you're seeing a lot of conversation around you know you know various various projects or or eras or iterations of the character and and each really seems to have its contingent of fans, whether it's the Superboy TV series or Lois and Clark, certainly Smallville, right? But I think that's that's a heavier hitter where you would kind of expect to see that. But but even there, like the mm. level of discourse around it now really feels like, and I guess aided in part by the fact that you have stars from the show doing their own rewatch podcasts and all of that. But I'm just curious what the experience has been like for you seeing that uh, over the past few years. And is there anything not to, and this is not to slight any of these things, but is there anything where you, you say to yourself, wow, like I'm surprised X has like that many fans or there's that much conversation about this? No, nothing surprises me anymore because I've been there, done that now with every version of the character that's come out in since I've been doing this. And it's just like Michael and I, you know, we've been doing our show for 12 years now in different versions, you know, go, yeah, we've been here before. We went through, you know, when the Super- when Superman Returns came out and fans were, you know, rabid about this movie and then, you know, then Man of Steel and, you know, Smallville and, you know, Lois and Clark was kind of were at the you know end of that. But um, and then now Superman and Lois, it, nothing surprises me anymore because it just can, if anything surprised me was that, the new animated series, My Adventures with Superman, really took off in a way that I didn't think it would because, you know, being at a midnight time slot on Adult Swim, you know, didn't get released, hasn't been released here in Australia, only now has gotten released in the UK. I was surprised at how much of a younger audience it brought into the world of Superman, especially with its anime type of feel and uh, so many fans 
connecting with the designs, of course, obviously from a younger audience point of view, that really surprised me at how well that took off and how well it was received and how many new Superman fans it brought in. So, uh, yeah, that, that's been pleasing. I have, I do have some more questions that kind of about your take on the fandom generally and all of that, but I do, I do want to circle back to the website. So I know that I suppose it was the mid nineties where you, you became friendly with Andrew Gould, the, who had originally started uh, Superman homepage. How did that, how did that relationship develop? Yeah, it's, it's funny when I think back now, because the internet was really in its infancy, you know, there wasn't much it could do. And the Superman homepage was named because that's what it was. It was a home page. That's all there was. There was, I think, maybe two other pages. Uh, for some reason, he had really gotten into, I think, R.E.M.'s song Superman had um, come out at that time. So he had a page with the lyrics for, for that song. Um, and I'm a graphic designer by profession, so I had just discovered the internet and the World Wide Web at that time and was really getting into HTML and how to, you know, just seeing that as a new, um, you know, way forward for me from a business point of view. And so having read that novel, The Life and Death of Superman, I started looking online for Superman things. And when I say online, we didn't even say online back then. It was just like I was getting onto the World Wide Web with my dial-up modem to be able to, uh, you know, look for things. And the Superman homepage was one of the things I found and it was just very much black text on a grey screen. That's all it, it was. And a few little graphics up in the top corners. And being a graphic designer, I said to... I sent him an email saying, listen, I'm a Superman fan, I'm a graphic designer, would you like me to create some graphics for you? Because I'd done a few things here and there in Illustrator at the time that I thought he might like and might be able to put up and I was experimenting with animated GIFs, so I was, you know, which were very new at that time and so I put a few of them uh, forward to him and um, we just started chatting about Superman through email, just back and forth and then it was over that period of time, that one-and-a-half to two-year period, that uh, I contributed a few things to what he was doing, and he had, uh, let uh, he, well, he confided in me that you know he had suffered from a rare genetic skin disease that predisposed him to cancer, skin cancer, and was really uh, only had months to live, and they was going to have to shut down the website or the homepage. And I said to him, you know, obviously was devastated to hear that, and asked him if he'd like me to continue it on for him. And I said, you know, I'm sure I could check in on it from you know one day a week, and he's like, one day a week? I think it's going to take a bit more time than that. And I went, sure, no problem, I'll, I'll manage, you know. So we transferred the couple of files that he had across to me, and then I found out from his brother that he had passed away in uh, 1996, which was point when I took over the site. And um, from there I just kept building and building and building, and what was one or two pages now is like thousands of pages and has had dozens of contributors and, and people who have volunteered over the years to do things and it's opened so many doors and taken me in so many different directions and has become a side hustle you know where I, I do it as a side project to my graphic design and web design work uh, that spins a little bit of money through advertising and affiliate sales but you know I couldn't give up my job and do it full time but it, it's uh, I'd love to don't get me wrong that would be really nice but uh, yeah there's just not those opportunities believe me I, I can identify <laughs> I understand but no, I, I, I love hearing that. And I love the way that you've honored Andrew on the website in, in your account of the history, because again, that was history that I was unfamiliar with. And so reading about it, uh, you know, was, was really interesting. And 
you know, it's, it's, it's amazing because for, I'm trying to think when I got on the web, <laughs> I got online. I mean, it was probably, it was probably past that point, past the point of you taking over. But so essentially for as long as I've been going on the internet, you know, Superman homepage has, has been there. Uh, so it's amazing. And I guess, I mean, I have, I have a number of questions and some of them might be kind of nerdy, but uh, I'm, I'm so curious about a lot of this, but, but one of them kind of more on the personal front is I love the way the, that relationship developed that you reached out and it, it kind of grew from there. And I'm curious, and, and I know you have contributors on your site and maybe it developed in a similar way. Like, have you had people reach out to you and do you find you're more receptive to them because of the experience that you had on the other side of it? Yeah, definitely. Early, you know, back in the early days when guys like Neil Bailey and Adam DeChannel and Michael Bailey would, you know, had reached out and, you know, said, um, would you like some help? Or I'm a writer. Would you like me to, you know, write an article? Or just submitted, uh, you know, an essay on something and said, hey, I write this review of, of this comic book, you know, would, and I would read through it. And if they were good, I would say, yeah, that, that's great. And then we'd continue that conversation. And, and, yeah, I definitely think having reached out to Andrew initially, I was, even back in those days, you weren't inundated with people contacting you. So it was, it's not like we had social media back then. There was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. There was not even YouTube at the time. So uh, it was like for people to reach out to you, we had message boards and things like that. So they were really interesting ways of being able to connect to people because, uh, as I said, I'm out here in Australia. I'm on the other side of the world from most Superman fans. So it was great to be able to have people reach out to you. And so over those years, I feel, formed some really great and long-lasting, life-lasting relationships with people. And I mean, Neil Bailey doesn't even write for the site anymore, but we are still best of friends and still touch base with each other and, you know, um, ha- are involved in each other's lives. And um, same with Michael Bailey. We just, you know, we're, we're friends first and foremost and Superman fans uh, second and then, you know, working together on doing podcasts and things after that. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's really been interesting the way things have – and people have come and gone. You know, there were guys in the early days who were no longer Superman fans necessarily. They grew up and went on to other things and uh, we've lost base with, you know, lost touch with each other. But um, it's been, that's probably been the best thing about running the Superman homepage is the friends that I've formed over that time. Now, listen, I I can 100% identify, uh, you know, I've become, you know, really good friends with a number of the people, you know, fellow Superman podcasters. And it's like, you know, a lot of the people I have on the show are people I've known previously, but then there are a bunch of people who I've gotten to know through the process of doing this. And we might not have ever been in the same physical space face to face. It's all been virtual, but, uh, but, you know, I genuinely consider them friends and I, I look forward to hopefully an opportunity to, to get together, whether it's at a Superman celebration or, a, or a convention or something like that. Have you been to the yeah, Superman that's... celebration? Yes, so I've been to the Superman celebration four or five times now. It was every five years. I went first in, I think it was 2008 or 2003, and then 2008 where I met Michael Bailey and Neil Bailey in person. That was the very first time we'd actually met together physically. Um, and then I went 2013 when Man of Steel was coming out, so I went straight from the Superman celebration to New York City for that, uh, and that happened to time itself really well. And then 2018... And then I was supposed to go in this year, 2023, uh, but with COVID and everything kind of still there, I didn't want it, international travel wasn't in the front of my mind and I was like very much, what's the point now for me? The Superman celebration is great. Don't get me wrong. I love it. And the people and the friends that I've made there are awesome and 
I would go back in a minute if it wasn't a 13-hour flight you know, and more to get to from Australia, from Sydney to, to, to over there. And um, it's, you know, it's for those people that I would go back in a blink of an eye. But as far as from the Superman homepage point of view, now these days I feel like I'm preaching to the converted. There's not, not much point in being there and promoting the website when everybody there pretty much knows the website. In those early days, it was really awesome. I mean, I felt like a celebrity the first couple of times that I went to the Superman celebration. I had people coming up and asking for my autograph or can I take a photo with you? And I think it was because of the novelty that I was Australian and that I was from the other side of the world. They'd only ever seen me on, you know, video things or heard me on podcasts, what have you. So physically be there at the same time together was like a, a bit of a novelty. But over the years, as the website has become pretty much well-known, it hasn't become necessarily, uh, for me, I would rather do more local conventions where people might not know about the Superman homepage that I can reach new a new audience. Uh, so for the cost, and that's the big thing, it's how expensive it is to get flights and accommodation and that. And it's only a four, it's now three day, it used to be a four day celebration. To only go there for three days and then come back, it seems like an exorbitant cost to try to be able to, you know, justify that. No, no, I understand. Uh, and, I, and again, I can identify with what you're talking about. I, I, was, I was recognized one time at one convention uh, for my podcast stuff and it was, it made the whole convention. I was like, this is great. <laughs> so, no, it's very cool. And, and, uh, you know, speaking of your contributors, you know, one of the things that I love about your site is yes, you're covering all of the Superman news, right. That, 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 that's coming out, but it's such a great, uh, resource and time capsule. And, and again, even as I've been going through the adventures of Superman, I, I, I often go to your site and read reviews that are there. So, I mean, that's the thing you have episode guys, you have reviews for all of these shows. Um, so there's, you know, there's so much on the site beyond, you know, beyond quote unquote, just the news that's breaking. Like it's this wonderful compendium of, uh, you know, again, of all of these guides and reviews and, and just, just information about the character. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. That's been something that, you know, has always been part of, um, uh, the charter to do the Superman homepage is to, to make it, you know, and then when Wikipedia came about and it was just like, you know, oh my God, they're doing it a better, you know, they got. Um, people contributing from all around the world, you know, at any hour of the day. And it's not always um, on the money. It's not always correct information on Wikipedia because anybody can edit that um, and has gotten better over the years. But uh, for me it was always about, yeah, look, let's be a time capsule, as you said, for all the different things that have happened through the world of Superman and archive all the news and have everything that there so that any at a blink of an eye you can go back and say, well, what did we do then or what happened then and, it's been really interesting to go back and revisit old articles. and You know, I've tried to get into a bit of SEO with search engine optimization in recent times to try to drive more traffic to the site. And one of the things that I keep hearing from these people is like, you need to go back and refresh old articles and, you know, and try to have a look at that. And you can get caught in the trap of that's yesterday's news. We don't need to look at that. But it's been really interesting. I mean, just now, recently this week, with the Smallville having its 22-year anniversary two years ago we did a 20-year retrospective and I went well there's no reason I can't just update this to 22-year retrospective and just republish it again Uh, and people who weren't necessarily didn't see it at the time will find it again for the 22-year anniversary and it's like yeah there's a lot of there's a lot like you said there's such a resource of information there don't just leave it lagging sitting there untouched update some of it and that's a bit daunting because there are 
you know, we've been around since 1994. So 1996, when I kind of took over, was when it started booming with all the different pages and new information. It's like, do I really want to go back that many years and have a look at what I did back then or should I just let it sit? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so that actually kind of leads to maybe one of the nerdier questions that I had, which is I'm so curious what the rise of social media did in terms of how you go about your business and and run the site. Because, I, I mean, I would imagine posting right across social media becomes a key piece of this, but trying to get people to click, to come back to the website, like how did, how have you navigated that and how how substantially did that change the game? So substantially, it's been a real tricky one because you think, wow, this is going to open up so many different avenues for people to come find the site, but people are so reluctant to do anything but read a headline these days that it becomes frustrating because you wouldn't believe the amount of times that I've – so what I do, I post the news on the Superman homepage and I have some automated stuff that would post it directly to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, you know, I've got a YouTube channel as well, obviously, and we do the community over there. There's Pinterest. You know, trying to keep up with all of them is impossible, but, you know, you, you, you target the, the big ones and you put the headline with a link, hoping that people will click the link to read the rest of the story or to flush out the news of, you know, what they want to – to read and the amount of times that people would go on say on Facebook oh when is this coming out and I'll go click the link it's in the article it's not that hard like what like you want to be spoon-fed like uh, some people don't even know that there is a Superman homepage website they just think we are a Facebook group it's just like come on people are we you know so the harder you try the the more frustrating it becomes sometimes. I, I see I, you laughing because I'm, I'm guessing you've got a similar experience. On multiple levels. So <laughs> so in my day job, I, I work uh, at, at, at actually the law school that I attended and I'm an administrator and a faculty advisor and I teach. And uh, let me just say that uh, even law students require a lot of, uh, of, of kind of delivering the same information uh, many times over, right? So there's that. But then on the podcasting front, so this other show that I do, My Comic Shop History, is ending uh, imminently. And I've been doing this show, Steve, for eight years and 120 episodes. And uh, <laughs> recently I, I posted on my on the Facebook page, like, you know, recording the series finale soon. And someone commented, and I, I thought it might have been a joke. I hope it was a joke, but it seemed <laughs> serious where he wrote, you guys have a podcast? And I'm like, that's been the whole thing. Like <laughs> that's all this page has been about for eight years. And it's funny because I always more so on my personal page, but I, I'm always trying to be mindful of, all right, don't, you know, try to like, don't be, don't be, don't beat people over the head with this. Like they know, they know, but it's like, no, there's still no matter how many times they don't. So as you're saying they that, I'm, I understand. <laughs> so you've really got to put in a, a call to action. Like I used to just put the headline with the link. Now I say, put the headline and I say, to read the rest of the story, click this link or go to our website, you know, as far as Instagram is concerned. I still don't understand why Instagram doesn't do links. But, um, yeah, so you've really got to spoon feed people to say what you want them to do and give them a call to action to say, here is the headline, you know, but to read the rest of the article, visit our website at this link because they just don't, for some reason, I... We are toddlers on the internet. We have a two-second attention span. And unless you state the bleeding obvious, they won't do it. 
Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina, for people of all ages and walks of life. With more than 40 years and a new second location to its name, Acme is a multiple-time Eisner Award nominee. The shop features a significant contemporary and vintage selection, as the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Aw Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, a.k.a. my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have kids and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join Aw Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow Aw Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me now. Aw Yeah! Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of comics from every publisher and time period, along with action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany the next time you're in the Garden State, and be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. You know, uh, and again, I, I don't say this to blow smoke either, but I I go to basically all of the comics news sites that you, you might expect, right? And hmm. I've noticed over the years, right, uh, a decline in quality, I would say, in, in a lot of them in terms of reporting, in terms of the uh, the clickbaity headlines, all, all the Ugh. sorts of things, right? And I think one of the things that I have always enjoyed about your side and I, I tip my hat to you is that I feel that there has been a level of uh, consistency and quality that has not always been uh, emulated on some of the other sites. And I, I would imagine that that's a conscious effort. And I would imagine that it can be challenging because maybe the temptation could be sometimes to kind of, you know, follow suit and, and, and maybe adopt some of these other practices that I think ultimately yield to lesser online journalism. It's a, yeah, it's a real tricky one because you, you see all those clickbait headlines and they get so much traffic because that's what they're entire, that's what they, that's why they're called clickbait is because people click on them. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a lure for them to do that. But the falsification of information is so frustrating and I don't understand. And I'm going to call some of these sites out like Cosmic Book News and we got, well, I don't know what some of the other ones are, but they, they literally, create crap it's it's they make stuff up and they're just pulling them out of their backsides and they get obviously they're false and people say that's rubbish that's never that didn't that was proven false but they just continue doing people just continue to visit are we do we have that short a memory that we don't realize that these sites are falsifying information and creating rubbish just for clickbait that we continue to give them what they want, and that is traffic to their sites, and that's all they're out there doing. They they earn money because the more people who visit their sites, the more people are seeing the ads that are on this display ads, the more money they make. And yet, time after time, you see these websites continue to do it, and they continue to get traffic. And I just think I don't want to. That's not who I want to be because one or two times that I have created a clickbaity type of headline, the amount of crap that I got 
in return for people, you know, the comments that I received, the backlash. It was just like it's not worth it. It's, you know, for the extra maybe a 1,000 visitors that I received, the headaches that I got from people commenting and, and, and you know, bashing me over the head for what I did was just like, nah, I don't want to do that anymore. It's not a good feeling. No, I understand. I think, you know, one of the other big frustrations I have, even from sites that I more or less trust the veracity of what they're writing, right? Something like mm. we got this covered or cosmic news. Like I won't even touch those because I know they just no. flat out make stuff up. But even other sites where I feel like, okay, I, I, I confident enough that it's accurate information, but uh, they so bury the lead, right? Because they want to oh. keep you scrolling through yep. and it drives me nuts. So my, my undergrad background was in journalism and it's like, you, you know, you, you don't bury the lead. Like you start <laughs> with the, with the most critical information and it, drives me crazy, you know, to have to read. And I've gotten, and the sad thing is I've gotten to the point now where I'm so trained. There are screen rant, like, you know, there are certain sites where it's like, I, and it's, I don't even consciously do it, but it's an automatic at this point where I'll just kind of like scroll down to the third paragraph. Cause I yep. know the first two are just BS setup. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. And it seems to be more prevalent these days, you know, even sites like comic book resources, uh, which, you know, is a very good reputable site and, uh, Jonah Whalen, who set it up around similar times in the late 90s when I was, you know, doing my Superman homepage. I remember it was his uh, comic book resources back then. It's obviously been bought out by a conglomerate now and has done really well. But, um, yeah, same thing. You see just a lot of fluff uh, before you get to the, the actual information. And unfortunately these days with AI and chat GPT, a lot of the articles that you're seeing are just generated by an algorithm or, you know, by a, an AI bot and they have their place. It's a great tool to be used, but you can't, you, you can't just use it without uh, vetting the information and do, being an editor and looking over it. But uh, yeah, it's definitely an interesting time to be in journalism. Absolutely. You know, we've talked about kind of this, uh, you know, how rewarding it has been, uh, you know, connecting with fellow Superman podcasters, for example. I'm curious in your experience, I mean, less so on the podcasting front, but more just in terms of other fan sites, what the, like you mentioned Jonah in particular from CBR. And again, I know, like you said, it, that's been bought out and everything, but I'm curious what you've experienced generally kind of on, on that front in terms of camaraderie, you know, if any, as, you know, among, uh, you know, people in your position running these fan sites, Superman or otherwise, because certainly there are plenty out there. Yeah, it's, it's really funny that you, you asked that question because I found it to be really tricky. I try to create a Facebook group where people in my position who are running other fan sites, not necessarily Superman, could maybe come together and share experiences and, and pitfalls and things you should look out for or, you know, come to it for, for advice, to, you know, how do I get around this or what do you use, what tools do you use, um, you know, from WordPress plugins, all different things that you might be able to and that lost traction, maybe like three or four people out of a dozen that I'd invited. It was like, as I was saying to you at the beginning of this podcast, it was like we were competitors and we shouldn't be helping each other and shouldn't be giving advice to each other. It's like, why? You know, if you're running a Batman site and I'm running a Superman site, we're not really competitors. So, and even if we're running Superman sites together, and I've had, um, you know, been friends with Neil Cole who runs a Superman super site and, you know, we've had you know, some to and fro's where, you know, there's been some interesting uh, confrontations about, you know, who got what information first or, you know, did you take this from my website kind of thing. 
that you know they're the pitfalls that you can fall into. But you know, non-competitive websites, Spider-Man websites, Harry Potter websites. Why can't if you're running that? Why can't we be in a group or help each other where we can give advice or go to go to other people for advice because we're all plowing the same field but just reaping different rewards. So you know, I don't get it. But yeah, unfortunately, there is that kind of standoffish approach amongst people who run different fan sites. It's like, no, these are my secrets. I don't want you, you know, stay out of my garden. I don't want you to see what I'm doing here. I mean, yeah, it's, it's discouraging to hear that. I mean, I guess I'm not shocked, but it's, you know, going back to kind of where we started and, you know, we just passed the hour mark. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, monopolize your time. So, you know, we, we can certainly wind down. I have a few more questions if, if you're, if you're game for that, but if we need to cut it, you just let me know. And no, we'll that's cool. Uh, but it's, it's something that I always try to be very, just kind of in terms of fandom generally, I've always tried to be very mindful of this since I started of everyone brings their own experience to whatever it is that we're talking about. And so yeah. I always couch what any opinion I'm expressing, right? I always couch it in terms of, Hey, this is how I feel. Like, I grew up watching Smallville. I was a freshman in high school when Clark was a freshman in high school. And I watched it every week through a very formative decade of my life. So I have a level of mm-hmm. attachment to that show that I understand someone watching that cold, you know, in 2023 as a 35 year old, like, you know, wouldn't receive it in the same way. Right. Um, and that's something I love. And then there are things that maybe I haven't been as receptive to for various reasons, but I recognize someone who experienced it at a different time. You know, it could have meant something so fundamental to them, right? So yeah. I, I think that's important. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm always happy when I encounter, you know, audience members here who kind of, who, who get that, right? And reciprocate that, that we all, you know, we're just we all have our own experience with this material, but then, you know, going back to where you had mentioned this earlier, kind of the, the fractured nature of the fandom at times where people so, you know, kind of dig in with these respective positions and, you know, sometimes other perspectives might get a little bit lost. This is kind of a big and not particularly well formulated question, but I guess wherever you want to take this, what have you what trends, maybe I'll frame it that way, like what trends have you observed? I, I mean, I, I would imagine it's been particularly over this post-Man of Steel decade where it's become more pronounced, but I, I was just curious like what you've, what you've sensed and, uh, you know, within the fandom. What I've always found tricky and frustrating is you're saying like we all have different opinions on different things, but for me, having a, an opinion that differs to yours is not me saying that your opinion is wrong or that you're an idiot for having that opinion. It's not a challenge to you. If I like chocolate and you like vanilla, great. So be it. I'm not saying vanilla is bad. I'm just saying I like chocolate and it shouldn't be a challenge for you then to try to convince me that vanilla is better. It's just people have different opinions and people need to understand and they never will because it's human nature but having an opinion is not automatically a dig at somebody else who has a different opinion. So don't if you, if you go online and you see someone who says, I love Henry Cavill, he is my favourite Superman, they're not saying Christopher Reeve is a crappy Superman or a bad Superman. So you don't have to try to convince them otherwise. Just accept the fact that people have different opinions. If we all like the same things, what a boring world it would be. 
I, I agree. And I, I, I won't go down the, the Snyder verse rabbit hole, but I will just say, I think that is a good example <laughs> because so I'm a fan. The audience knows this. I've talked about it a lot, but the thing that kind of irks me is when you have folks, I think on either extreme folks who, who will argue that it's, it's not a valid take on the character or folks who argue that it's the only valid take on the character. And in both of those instances, I say to myself, well, okay, like neither one of those is the case, right? It's, it's a take and some will like it and some won't. And, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, right? It's not a, it's not a personal attack, right? If I don't like some, it's, it's, I just got done with this huge run of crisis events and on social media, I posted my ranking of them. And, you know, I had a couple of people, it was no, no, you know, crazy reactions, but you know, a couple of people, oh, I can't believe you put this there or that there. And I, and I, I wrote back, I'm like, Hey, they're just my, you know, it's, it's for me. It's in terms of the experience that I had in going yeah. through all these events, like make, make your own list. Like I, I always say this to the audience. It's like, share yours, right? Like I rather, and I, I, I you know, I, I, I like what, and a lot of times people do this and it's great. It's like, share what your take is. It's not a matter of I'm right or wrong or, or whatever. It's like, just, we each have our own and it's okay. That's uh, so true. And it, I wish more people thought like that because it would be, yeah, but then we wouldn't have Facebook and Twitter and it would be pretty boring if everyone just gave a thumbs up to everything we posted. <laughs> Very true. You know, I, one of the other things that kind of more on the on the personal front, I guess, is do you find that you are still able to maintain your level of excitement as a fan about all of these things, because there's the component of, you know, you're going to cover it on your site, right? But then you're also mm. still going to experience it as a fan. I mean, do you find that, because I, I guess I was thinking about this for myself, where whenever something is announced, like my adventures with Superman or Superman and Lois, whatever, like I am excited to watch them as a fan, but I think neck and neck, and sometimes I don't know which one is in the lead, <laughs> neck and neck is kind of like, okay, how am I going to cover this on the show? How many episodes? How am I going to talk about this? What's the angle going to be? Like, how do you navigate that? Yeah, I think you just have to be in the moment. So when you, yeah, you definitely start thinking and planning for how are we going to attack writing reviews? Who's going to be the reviewer? Um, you know, are we going to do this? You know, are we going to do a podcast for every episode? Things like that. You start thinking of that. But when I'm sitting down and watching an episode of Superman Lois or when I'm sitting down watching my adventures with Superman, I'm totally immersed and just enjoying it as a fan there and then and try not to get – and then I'll do a rewatch if I have to, if I need to capture something. But at the time, I'm just a fan just watching it, you know, like a little kid sitting there and, and just absorbing it all uh, as a fan and then later on we'll get into, you know, uh, editor-in-chief mode. Gotcha. And then I guess just as far as – I know you said this, you know, you have your, your quote-unquote day job and you run the site – I'm curious, just in terms of your your personal life, like is Superman and this fandom, I mean, is this something that you're able to share with people in your, you know, IRL, so to speak? <laughs> or, yeah, I'm just curious what the, what the experience has been. Yeah, it's been a tricky one. Uh, my wife and I, uh, you know, she uh, is very understanding of it. It's been a long time now. It's been, I've been... So, I mean, it's pretty much all of our marriage that I've been a, a, a Superman fan. So, and in doing the Superman homepage, we were married in 94 and I took over the website in 96. So, it's been very much part of our lives. And, you know, our fridge is just filled with Superman magnets. Uh, you know, the, the, the shelf in our TV room has got all the Superman DVDs and Blu-rays and, um, you know, it stops at certain, you know, there's nothing in our bedroom. It kind of like, you know, no, I can't have Superman quilt cover and that kind of thing. But, um 
Yeah, it's part and parcel of our daily lives. Everyone, no one buys me Superman stuff anymore because they know I probably might, probably already have it. Uh, but every now and then I'll get a pair of Superman socks or something as a birthday gift or a p- Superman undies or whatever it might be that, you know, you can never have enough of. But, um, yeah, it's – and everyone in my circle of extended family and extended friends know that I'm the Superman guy. And so, um, yeah, it's it's very rare that someone doesn't know that. And if they don't know it, I'm pretty quick to tell them. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's hard, hard, hard to hide. Uh, but, no, that's no, that, that's fantastic. Um I guess as as we start to wind down here, um, yeah. Again, we've talked about your fandom and the you know, not really so many gaps in your case at, at this point, and, and and those pillars of the fandom. I guess I'm curious in terms of of because it is such a vast mythology, right? For 85 years across time and media, are there certain uh, you know kind of overlooked gems? that you feel that you find, and I know it's such a wide range of experience in terms of, you know, people that you must interact with, but are there certain, certain overlooked gems that you always kind of tell people or, or you might tell people like, Hey, you really should check this out. It might not get a lot of attention, but you might enjoy this. Yeah. I think nowadays early on, it was definitely the Fleischer cartoons because not a lot of people had even heard about them or known about them. And then the radio series, but as those have become more and more, I mean, everybody in the Superman world knows about the Flash cartoons now because, you know, they've been released multiple times and now they're in the public domain and that, that kind of stuff. So people know about them where maybe in the early years when I was doing the website, I didn't even know about them. They were a surprise to me. Um, in this day and age, probably telling people to go back and watch things like maybe who'd missed out on Man of Steel at the time. Like a lot of my family members is like, yeah, never got around to watching them. It's like, no, you should. You know, it's. I think because we get inundated with superhero films now with all the Marvel movies and that, people just – I don't know if we definitely have superhero burnout, but there is definitely so much out there that a lot of people go, oh, I've just lost track. I don't know where we're at with all these superhero movies. So I definitely say, no, you should check out Man of Steel if you never got around to watching it. I mean, at this point in time, it is 10, 10 years ago. So, you know, it's it's we can look back. Um, and then there are, you know, Smallville, a lot of people, you know, maybe will go, oh, 10 seasons, I don't know if I can add 20-something episodes per season. What's that all about? We only have 10 or 13 these days. It's like that seems a lot, a lot. and there are a lot of filler episodes to, you know, what we would call filler episodes. But, um, yeah, not too much, not too many things these days that people might not know about that I have to kind of bring to their attention. Gotcha, gotcha. And then as far as... Just kind of things that you're most excited about. I know you're keen on on my adventures with Superman, as as am I. And of course, we have Superman and Lois. We have the, the movie coming. I mean, I don't know. Again, uh, thoughts, expectations, level of optimism as far as as far as Superman Legacy. Where are you uh, at, at this point? Tentatively hopeful. Um, you know, I was very devastated for Henry Cavill the way it all panned out for him coming back, saying, "I'm back." doing that Black Adam cameo and then having the rug pulled out from underneath him. I thought that was really poorly handled uh, by the powers that be. Um, I definitely think that it was it is time for a new take. While I was very much uh, a fan of what Zack Snyder did to some extent, I understand that there is – I would like to see a more positive Superman or more positive world for Superman to exist in. So Henry Cavill's Superman was positive, don't get me wrong. I, I loved his take on the character. I would have liked to have seen him continue on 
playing the character with a more positive story around, you know, the character, him enjoying being Superman and people trusting him and loving him as Superman where very much every film, you know, Man of Steel was like, who is he? Do we Should we trust him? Batman v Superman, Batman doesn't trust him. Justice League, oh, he's come back from the dead as a, you know, do we trust him? It's like, come on, can we just trust him already and let him be Superman and enjoy being Superman and not have to always second-guess himself. Um, so I'm very much hopeful that the upcoming James Gunn Superman legacy will have that element to it. I don't want it to be a rehash of the Richard Donner films, but I'd very much like to see it be a more positive, uplifting feel coming out of the film. I'm with you. I'll, I'll co-sign on that. I, I, uh, I, I'm really trying to be optimistic about all of this and, uh, and, and keep an open mind, which I do think is an important mm. point. And I preach that. So I want to try to, <laughs> I want to try to live that as well. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, it should be an exciting time. Uh, you know, one way or the other, it'll be a lot for us to, to unpack and talk about as more information and posters and trailers and then the eventual movie come out. So, uh, you know, it, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, is there anything and, I don't say this with any expectation. If you don't have anything, that's fine. Is there any? Is there anything that you wanted to ask me, or any anything that we didn't talk about? Anything I didn't ask you that that you wanted to to address? No, I've got to give you props for how thorough you are in uh, the questions that you asked and the preparation you did to ask me the questions that you did. And it's been really interesting for me to go back down memory lane and uh, revisit some of those early days of running the website. And uh, yeah, it's no, I can't think of anything that uh, pops to mind. Um, you know, I enjoy what you, you, you do and, uh, you know, that's the reason I reached out to you because I think that, um, you know, the, the following that you have and the people that you uh, listen to you will probably resonate with what we do at the Superman homepage and I think we're simpatico in that way and um, I think it's, uh, it's great that there are so many podcasts out there that are doing things surrounding Superman and maybe focusing on different aspects of the character and so, uh, yeah, just more power to you. Keep it going. No, I, I appreciate that. And I, you know, that's, that's the cool thing. I mean, I guess w- whether or not there are a lot of Superman podcasts, I guess it's relative. I mean, there, there are a bunch, mm. right? But I do feel like we've each kind of carved our own, <laughs> our own path to, to, to an, some extent or another, uh, and that there's space for everybody. And, uh, mm. and again, it's a testament to the character, right? That there's, there are so many different tracks you can take in terms of for sure in terms of tackling all of this. So uh, no, it's you know one of our earliest episodes I had on uh, Craig Byrne from the Krypton site website, and that was look yep. that was huge when I was watching Smallville and I was going to that site and I was reading spoilers and I was on the forum and and having him on it was like this surreal kind of experience because I was a little kid like going to his website and, and a similar thing here. It's you know not to say I'm starstruck, but there's a little bit of that. No. So. You know, I so appreciate you reaching out and you taking the time to come on here. And uh, I, I hope we get to do this again and, and we stay in touch and all of that. And I know we've been obviously talking about your site all the way through, but uh, what what would you like to direct people uh, to? Because I know there's the site, there's the YouTube, there you know there are various uh, you know various avenues here. What would you like to share with folks? No, just uh, it, you know, it's been a pleasure being on the podcast with you and be able to talk about the site and uh, the time that I've spent running the site. Yeah, look. The, the website is the focus of everything that we do and it is, you know, at the core of everything. We always obviously have our YouTube channel, which is big because we do our weekly Superman homepage live show and I do the speeding bulletin over there and, you know, there's so many, you know, we've got our Facebook group and Facebook page and 
Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff, but they all feed back into the Superman homepage website. And so everything is focused at the Superman homepage website. We try to cover everything that's Superman-related, news, reviews, rumours, what have you. But we also do some of our own content, like I said, with the Speeding Bulletin and the Superman homepage live. We're currently doing like a choose-your-own-adventures of Superman story where fans get to vote on what they think should happen next, you know, it's a, as a fan fiction type of thing. So it's, there's more to our website than just, you know, giving you the latest news and information that's out there. We're trying to create a community and, uh, you know, there's comments and things that people can log in and, and post their own comments and things about. So very much trying to build that community feel back again because we had that back in the day when there were message boards and social media wasn't so wasn't part of our lives. So people would come to the site to to post their comments and their thoughts and um, I know those days are gone and now everyone's on social media and doing their thing elsewhere but uh, don't forget that the website is at the core of what we do. Yeah, I encourage everyone to visit. Again, I would venture to say I'm sure everyone listening to this has been at some point but if you haven't been in Mm. a while, this is a perfect opportunity and then I swear I will let you go. This is my last question. So, you know, when I started this podcast, you know, one of the things we talked about in our very first episode was how, like, again, I worked at a comic book store for many years. And despite dealing with so many comics fans, it wasn't a frequent occurrence that someone shared that Superman was their favorite character. I was one Mm -hmm. of the things that's been so great about doing this is connecting with fellow Superman fans. And it's like, you know, we're, you know, I found my, my people here. Uh, And, and so I guess I feel like my perspective has been, been skewed a little bit now because I've been so immersed over these past few years in this community talking to Superman fans. And I know you are too. So I, but to whatever extent you can answer this, I mean, what are you finding in terms of, I guess, new Superman fans or, or, cause I know we've talked a lot about within the Superman fandom or, you know, speaking to people within the fandom, but as far as reaching non-Superman fans or just having non-Superman fans come to you, I, I guess anything that you might be able to share on that front, I'd be really curious about. Yeah, it's kind of sad in, in a way that Superman isn't as prevalent or as in f- people's minds as maybe he once was. You know, maybe hopefully Superman Legacy will change that uh, because there is so much to be able to consume now. Even when there is a new TV series like Superman and Lois, a lot of it, it, can, it can people can it, it not be on their radar whatsoever, and they go, "Oh, I didn't even know there was a new Superman show out," you know, or that kind of thing. So, and I was just recently at a convention here in Sydney. And there were maybe two or three people wearing Superman costumes or Superman T-shirts, but the most part it's manga or it's, you know, anime or it's Batman or Spider-Man. And, you know, so it, it is a little bit sad to see that Superman has kind of fallen away a little bit as far as being the preeminent superhero uh, when it comes to, you know, the public. But superheroes in themselves, I think, are not as prevalent as they once were because, yeah, okay, we've got all the Marvel movies and everything like that, but there are so many other characters and things, you know, One Piece and, um, you know, The Invincibles and all these other shows that are kind of tapping into that kind of era or area but uh, are different. And so I'd like to see Superman become as popular as he once was. I don't know if those days have gone by, but the fact that he still exists and that we're still talking about him uh, I think is proof positive that he'll be here long after you and I are both gone. Well said. Well, Steve, thank you again so much for taking the time. It was great to meet you and to have you on the show. And again, I encourage everyone to check out supermanhomepage.com. So thank you so much. Thank you. It really, it's been a real pleasure to be on the show with you and I appreciate you uh, inviting me to, to 
do this with you and, uh, you know, being open to my, uh, you know, discussion in the first place to, to have this discourse between us because I think Superman fans uh, who run different things like websites, podcasts, whatever, should reach out to each other more and share our experiences, not just as Superman fans, but as website runners, podcasters, whatever. So, uh, yeah, keep up the great work. Love what you do. So uh, well done. And uh, hopefully we can, you know, continue the friendship, as you said. Absolutely. Uh, so thank you, Steve. Thank you, audience. As always, I always appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you come back in one week for our next all new episode. And until then, as always, it's about what you do. It's about action. This podcast is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show too. Many of you have already used this code and I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Be sure to check out our sister podcast series, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman, an episode by episode breakdown of the classic George Reeves television show available wherever you get podcasts. Please join us on social media, become a patron and subscribe, rate and review today. Links are in the show notes. Thank you all.